0: Hi, I'm Brittany. Welcome to the Seated Sisterhood Bible Study. Here, we plan to go deep into the Word of God so that you can develop a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus. So come on into the room, pull up your seat at the table, because we've been waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, guys. Hi, welcome back to the table. Um, We are kicking off our Ephesians Bible study. And if you are coming to this video and have not yet watched the videos in our volley group, please know that all the conversations are happening in volley. This is the teaching. Um, And as I explained in there, when we begin studying a book, I'm always going to do a teaching on the background. I think it is very crucial that we understand context, and I gave a lot of information about that. So if you jump into Volley and click on the thread that says um, Ephesians background, it'll give you all the reasons why, and it'll break down this worksheet that I will also make sure is tagged here. Um, And if you're watching this from Volley, you actually have it already in your Volley's that you can download, and you have it in your email. Um, I've made sure that you have access to it. If you cannot find it, though, please let me know. So we're going to jump right in let's dig in i said that when we study background we are studying a couple of things we're going to study the who the what the when the where the why um and that why is going to kind of blend in a little bit a bit with the what um how and then there's a bunch of space for any notes please remember i gave you that worksheet as a tool it does not have to bind you all of my notes are not even on that worksheet guys they're in here in my journal um, because I, I have a framework and that's just how my brain flows a little bit differently. I'm a little neurodivergent in that way. So I need a little bit more space. So please do not feel bound to it. Use it as a guide. Um, but if you are somebody that just needs to be able to put stuff in a space, please do. But also recognize that it's okay if some of your stuff bleeds from one box and one thing into the another. It's okay. It does not have to be completely filled out. Nobody's grading you or checking you. The Holy Spirit's not looking over your shoulder to hold you accountable to how you know, great you fill this out. This is to give you a depth of understanding so we have the proper context when we begin studying the actual letter next week. So we're gonna start off with our who this is who is speaking, who's the author of the book, and who are they speaking to? So, first off, this is letter written by Paul. This is what they call an epistle. Epistle is just a fancy word for letter. This is a letter written from Paul um to the church in Ephesus, okay, which is why it's named Ephesians. However, um, even though Ephesus, the church of Ephesus was the primary audience, um, it is believed that there is a secondary audience that Paul was writing to. And we'll find this not just in this epistle. We'll find this also in some other epistles. But there were um, some neighboring churches to the church in Ephesus. And these were all the churches of what was called the Lycus Valley, L-Y-C-U-S I might not be pronouncing that perfectly, but the Lycus Valley churches. This included the churches at Ephesus for Ephesians. The church of Colossae, which should sound familiar because it's the church that Paul wrote the letter of Colossians to. The church of Laodicea, which if you study the books of um, any length of time in Bible study, you've heard the church of Laodicea. Usually referenced because they're one of the churches, the seven churches in the book of Revelation. They are referenced most famously for being called lukewarm and, and spitting it out, which I could go to a whole nother topic on, but I will not probably going to post one of those on a reel um, coming up here real soon on Instagram. So check for that. And then possibly another church called Hierapolis, which is very important to why Laodicea was called um, lukewarm. It was actually a reference to their water um, because Hierapolis was known for their hot springs and limestone, okay? So we have this group of churches, possibly some other minor churches there that Paul was writing to. Now, it's important to know that Paul is writing this. This is written around 62 AD and it is written while he is in prison. This is a part of what we call the prison epistles from Paul. There are four of them that he wrote while in prison. There he wrote the the book of uh, Ephesians. These are all letters, remember, written to churches. So Ephesians, Colossians. Um, Coloss- Colossians written to the church of Colossae Um, Philippians those written to church in Philippi and then Philemon's epistle, which is written to Philemon, a person um, he wrote all of those from prison. Now, Paul was imprisoned in Rome. And I don't want you to picture like jail, like normally when we think of Paul and Silas, the story from the book of Acts, if you've ever read through Acts, that um, Bible story where the, you know, they were loosed and set free. He was imprisoned at home in Rome. He was a Roman citizen. So he was under house arrest um, for about two years from what I could find from 60 AD to a 62 AD. So he wrote these letters towards the end of his imprisonment. And, um, and it is likely that he was there and he wrote the epistles. They they think that he wrote the epistles to he wrote the book of Colossians and the book of Philemon very close together. So they were all four of those epistles were written during his time of imprisonment. But they think particularly those three were written closer together than um, the book of Philippians. And you can see that because we can call. Um, Colossians almost a sister book to Ephesians because they had some of the same themes, probably because they were in the same area, and it was expected that they would share their letters between each other. Okay, so now I'm, I want to to bring to light a little bit about how he got here. So, anytime you're reading something written by Paul, you can usually find the history of it in the book of Acts, a in a broader sense. So when we're talking about understanding the history, the when. Um, I'm going to dig into that a little bit here. I'm going to jump before I jump into the audience a little bit because I want to set up this framework of who was talking. Okay. We have Paul who has been in prison. This is not the first time he's in prison. And as a matter of fact, when he finally ends up in, um, in Rome imprisoned, he's not in Ephesus, he's being imprisoned in Rome, which Ephesus was a part of the Roman empire. He has journeyed from literally like right outside of Jerusalem. Okay. So he's doing We know Paul is a has a large if you don't know, Paul had a large ministry to the Gentiles, to the people who were not Jews. Um, Paul literally went unto the world and began to spread the gospel. So he was arrested in Caesarea um, or Caesarea right outside of Samaria. Because some Jewish leaders really oppose. Remember, Paul starts out as Saul of Tarsus and he is persecuting the church, the believers of the way who are following the way of Christ, which is probably a better description of Christianity than a religion. It was a way of life, a way of being that was completely countercultural to what the Jews did, how they religiously followed the rules and the Torah and the bondage that they were in in that way because the, the law had been misappropriated. To put this bondage on the people they were all kind of bound in that okay and so he was arrested after being accused by these jewish leaders we can find this in acts it's chronicled in acts he goes before king agrippa Um, And he actually pleads his case. He ends up persuading King Agrippa. It's a beautiful thing I wish I had time to go into in the book of Acts. Um, And King Agrippa actually wants to set him free, but he can't because he's appealed to Caesar because he is a Roman citizen. So he actually has to go before Caesar and go to Rome. But Paul knows it's with purpose because he knows he's called to preach in Rome. And some of the work he did in Rome was what we now are going to read in the book of Ephesians. So he goes literally from King Agrippa. He gets on a boat. Eventually he is shipwrecked at Malta. That's that whole thing where he told them he didn't want to get on a boat, but he ends up having to go. He tells them it's okay. We're all going to survive. They end up shipwrecked in Malta. He ends up ministering and um, healing those people. They come to know God and they actually mistake him for being Hermes. um, And he actually points them to the rightness of Christ. And then he finally around 60 AD, after a very long journey, arrives and is imprisoned in Rome. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts and also wrote the epistle um, Luke, his story, he actually is traveling with Paul. He also spent some other time with some other disciples. So that is why um, we get that up in close personal account of what Paul is doing, because Luke is actually traveling with him and ends up with him at some point while he's in prison in Rome. And during that time, people are coming in and out and being ministered to, he's writing letters. And this is important because when we read Ephesians, we will see that he requests prayer and he says that he's praying for the church of Ephesus. And we, I want you to know that while he's in prison, he can't go anywhere. He's stuck at home. This likely increased his time and opportunity to pray, but also increased his need for prayer. OK, so I want you to understand that when you're reading through that. Now, let's go to the audience. And I want to dig a little deeper in that. The Church of Ephesus is an Asia, Asia Minor. So think right around like kind of Turkey area, modern day time. Some manuscripts argue that maybe it wasn't written directly to the church in Ephesus because some manuscripts just say to the church, which most theologians believe that the manuscripts that have that is because it was meant to be shared among the churches. But we have other manuscripts that do say to the church in Ephesus, like what is translated in our common um, in our Bible that we read now today, and that is why it's important, um, you know, that we understand that it was probably written to a broader audience. Um, but it definitely, we have no other church that we see that it was connected to, so we it is most commonly accepted as being attributed to Ephesus. Okay, so we can also see um, that. I want you to know this about Ephesus. It was one of the most populous and most important port cities to the Roman Empire, okay? It was a gateway between what was then the Western and Eastern worlds, okay? This is a major port city, a lot of people in and out, and it was also a hub for pagan worship. Now, if you study Greek mythology at all, Greek and Roman mythology, this was the hot spot for Hermes. I'm sorry, not Hermes, um, Artemis. Artemis was considered like the goddess of this area. She was considered the nurturer of Ephesus, okay? And we can see that in Acts 19, if you go to Acts 19, all of Acts 19 kind of chronicles what happens when he comes into Ephesus, okay? And he ends up getting into it actually with some worshipers of the goddess Artemis. It starts this whole uprising. They take it to they got a whole bunch of people all riled up because this is Ephesus, this is all for Artemis and it's all because he is persuading so many people to follow Jesus that they are nervous because there are these people who make these gods and these idols for these people to worship, and they're nervous about their businesses. So they say, we're nervous about our businesses. Also, we must defend our God. And I want you to note that this is the way pagans operate. Paul, he appeals to the needs of these people that they're trying to feel through this goddess, um, but he does not necessarily go out starring up a riot of people to oppose the pagan people. And I think that that is important for what we're seeing today. We are only called to wage wars. Um, The pastor at my church today said this, we are only called to wage the wars that God has called us to. And God and Paul knew that God had called him to the people, not to the principalities. Jesus said to render unto Caesar what is Caesar. He knew that his kingdom was upside down. And it was going to start by changing the hearts of people. And as people were converted, the environment, the culture around them began to change. And that is what made those people feel threatened. Not because Paul was going and holding, you know, battles against these people. He was often bought before rulers and had an opportunity to argue with them or debate them. He went to temples and definitely taught, but he was not doing the type of um, riotous, you know, angry behavior that we see demonstrated by the pagans though in Acts 19. So, um I want you to know that this is important because also in the book of Ephes- Ephesians as we study we'll see it in chapter 5 that he encourages them not to participate in the works of darkness. And he outlines in detail in chapter 6 how there are spiritual forces at play battling, okay? He wants them to understand that this battle against false gods, is something that's bigger than them. And it's also something they need to let go of because they're converting from this pagan religion and coming into the nurturing of Christ. So actually when we get to, remember I said Artemis is considered the nurturer of Ephesus. When we get to um, chapter five, we'll see that Paul describes our relationship with Christ as nurturing. He's telling them that all this stuff you're looking to be fulfilled by this numerous gods is really what the one true God gives you in relationship with Jesus. OK, so I want you to understand that this letter is a contrasting backdrop from the life that they left as worshipers of um, pagan gods and goddesses to their worship and devotion to the one true God. Now, i um, Ephesus is also um, one of the few letters that is not deeply personal. There's not a lot of brothers, sisters, I'm your spiritual father. And it's, it's believed that it's that way, not because he wasn't wanting to nurture them, but because it was written to a great number of churches. And while Paul spent about two years evangelizing in Ephesus, he may not have made it to all the other minor churches that he's speaking to in this letter. But it is also important to note that this book, is one where he's not correcting an issue directly in the church. He is actually encouraging and exhorting them into what it looks like to live into the kingdom of God, okay? So I covered a lot there. I covered the who. um, I covered when, the important dates, and kind of where this falls into the timeline. Um, I covered where, where the original audience was located. So we're talking Asia Minor, right around where modern-day Turkey is now. Um, And now I'm going to talk about some what some overarching themes that we're gonna see covered into this book, okay? Um, And before I get into that, I also wanna tell you a little bit about the purpose of this book. His whole purpose, and I'm not going to dig too deeply into this because I think it's beautifully done by the link I'm going to give you in the Bible Project. Okay, this Bible Project, we're going to be using it often. They do a beautiful, illustrated demonstration of the overarching themes of the book that we're studying, as well as how it connects to the overarching theme of scripture throughout the entirety of the Bible. So I'm going to let them do a lot of discussion about the themes and the purposes, but I do want to hit on a couple of things before I close this video out. This one's a little bit longer because I had to do a two-minute intro to tell you guys how to do this video. So this um, the purpose that Paul is writing here is to help establish what the kingdom of God should look like. Remember, they have been a part of citizens of Rome. They know what a Roman kingdom looks like. They have um, studied pagan gods and goddesses. They know what that worship looks like. Paul is really showing them what the kingdom of God looks like, how it is different and how it will nurture them into life and godliness, okay? So a couple of things he's gonna cover here. He's gonna cover our citizenship of heaven. He's gonna cover our inheritance, specifically in Ephesians one and chapter five. He colors our military service to the king. God Jesus is our Lord and leader of heaven's army. And he colors covers what that military service looks like in Ephesians six. He talks about Jesus rule over creation and all created things, even over all the gods that they serve, um, particularly in Ephesians one. He talks about our name and how we take on our name from him. Um, and this is important because in Roman culture. Um, when you were going to be granted citizenship into an empire, when you're going to be granted Roman citizenship, you had to take on the name of the one who sponsored you. So it's important because we receive the name of Christ. When it talks about in Roman, um, Ephesians 1, when it starts saying we're seated with him in heavenly places and that we are um, taking on his name and his newness and his essence, it's because we are part of, and we are citizens of Heaven, y'all, and so it should be so good and so rich to know that when he was speaking to those people, he was saying something to them that they knew they knew what it was like to become a citizen and take on somebody else's name. And so he's saying, You are a citizen of of heaven, and you have taken on the name and the authority and redemption of Christ. Oh, it's so good. And I apologize, guys, I speak faster when I get excited, and I know I can be long winded when I'm excited, so I'm trying to keep this short but I am very excited about the richness that we can find out just by understanding who Paul was speaking to. He also speaks about us being ambassadors um, a little bit in this book. And he talks about how he is an ambassador and we can take a little bit of understanding about what it's like to be an ambassador in that book. Um, And then another thing he is going to address is some challenges to the kingdom of God. Um, Some of the the challenges of our sinful nature, um, the simple nature of man He talks about that in Ephesians five. He goes into depth to discuss racial tensions, Um, the racial tensions that were happening in and around that group that were happening between Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers, Gentile believers. This is issues of race, y'all. The Bible does discuss this and it talks about that in Ephesians 2. We're going to talk about that. And then, of course, it talks about the demonic forces at play. That's a big theme in the book of Ephesians. It discusses it both in chapter 2 and in chapter 6 and the war that we are in and that we are waging against our enemy. Okay. But remember the purpose of this book is to not to correct while it does address some challenges. It's to encourage and exhort and empower them to live um, a life as citizens of heaven. Okay. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this Bible study here. And I felt God led me here because We are supposed to come to know that God has pursued us, to know who God is. And then after that, we respond to his saving grace, that he has saved us. We respond to that amount of love and that amount of salvation with our surrender and our obedience. We do not surrender and obey in order to be loved. We are already loved. We are already seated in that place. That's where our our sisterhood gets its name, that we are seated In heavenly places with God, we battle and we walk and we lead into love from our seated position, not to earn a seated position. Okay, so we take our seat at the table, knowing that that place was bought for us by the love and the blood of Jesus. And this is what it's going to look like for us to walk in the earth as kingdom citizens. So we're going to start off in the book of Ephesians and our study. I'm so excited to jump in with you guys next week. Please share with me what you are learning Um, This is what I want to hear back in the conversations this week. Share with me some other insight that you saw maybe that I didn't touch on. Or if you're like, nah, Britt, you covered a lot and you're just, you know, just now getting into studying cultural backgrounds. Please tell me what you learned. Tell me what you're hearing. Tell me what is standing out to you and let's discuss around that. So excited to jump into this Bible study with you guys. Thank you for joining me. Um, The future videos will not be this long. We had a little bit of pre-talking to do, um, but I hope you're as excited as I am to jump into the book of Ephesians and I will catch you guys in the chat. You've been listening to the Seated Sisterhood podcast. Would you take a moment and subscribe and review this podcast? When you do that, it helps us to equip and encourage so many others as we seek to spread the gospel by helping others dig deeply and confidently into their word. Thank you so much for joining and taking your seat at the table today. Catch you in the next episode.